What's going on, everyone? And welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined, as always, by Mr. Charlie Budd. And today, we're updating you all a little bit on our last episode on current events, specifically around Netflix. And this week, we're talking a little bit about their updated uh, plan moving forward when it comes to the creation of their projects. Bud, you once again brought this to my attention, and I appreciate it because I was curious, and who knows, maybe they listened to the last episode and heard what we had to say and are trying to refocus their attention on uh, just bringing in some more money, but you know, I'll let you roll it out for the people and also give your initial thoughts on uh, the current restructure. And so with that, Charlie, I'm going to kick it off to you. What you got? Well, Netflix's big move is called Bigger, Fewer, and Better their new leaner movie mandate as they set off to make more big big budget movies or like and less of them so we're seeing a lot of netflix moving away from just kind of what we think what i think we both kind of called out for them on last time where they threw a lot of stuff at the wall and just was like okay we just dump money into our projects and we just kind of see what sticks. It seems like they're learning from this, you know, they're learning from that. They're like saying, no, no, we got to be strategic about it. We got to slash, you know, some movies that, you know, might not be the good ones. We're going to, you know, take the budget that we had for that movie, put it all into one movie that we think is going to be our winning horse. And they just let it race, baby. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like the big update. I mean, we're seeing uh, like their biggest big movie that I think they're putting a lot of money into is called The Gray Man, which is like, you know, the big action movie with Ryan Gosling, uh, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans Ana de Armas, and other people. And then um, that looks like more of like an action movie like just a just a straight up action movie it might just you know it it seems like a summer kind of like hey got nothing really else to see doesn't seem like too character driven which is my personal uh take on it but we don't have to Mm -hmm. talk about the movie too much but what are your (laughs) initial thoughts here on netflix's new strategy no so i like the new strategy just because as we mentioned last time the old, or should I say rather, current strategy that they're using. Obviously, you do have some some hits, but at the same time, there are a number of misses. And the longer you go without having that one big blockbuster project, the more people you'll see, unfortunately, will drop off, as we're seeing right now with their decrease in subscribers. So thinking about the strategy as it is to you know be moving forward, I think they have a really good shot. And if they kick it off well with the Gray Man or whatever they're bringing out with this new format, I think that they have a, a really good chance of being successful moving forward specifically when it comes to trying to you know invest in these big blockbusters but as i was watching the trailer you know you can't help but think that this is definitely going to be a a big a big risk that they're taking and so it struck me and i wanted to bring this up with you because while it's fair to say that a lot has go goes into these projects and we can appreciate them It's different knowing that they're not going to be in theaters, but rather going to be watched at home. And so, and we've talked about, you know, straight to streaming versus the movie experience, but when it comes to Netflix and the fact that their offerings are really based around the at-home experience, do you think that will prevent them from being as successful as they are hoping to be moving forward? I think some of these movies are um, getting like a a theatrical release, but... uh... 
like I think the Gray Man is getting like a limited theatrical release because I think Netflix okay. wants to put their movies up for awards or whatever. Even I don't think the Gray Makes Man sense. necessarily is going to be that, but um, <laughs> I also think they want to give people the opportunity to go see a movie in theaters. And it even looks like the Gray Man is actually coming out like about a week before it comes out on Netflix in theaters. So, oh. yeah. Um, so it has like some theaters have a little exclusivity. Um, so I guess like to answer your question, like. If they like do, and I think they do release a lot of movies that are just like straight to streaming, like almost kind of like television films. And I think Netflix is still trying to keep their new movie every week goal, which is kind of ludicrous because that doesn't really sound like a very more tactical approach to this like bigger, better, fewer. If your goal is still a new movie every week, which um, is what they're currently doing right now. That's a lot. I never realized yeah. that was their. I didn't either. That's like that's both live action and animation. Um, so like it's either one. It's not like they try to oh, release one movie. Yeah, that. it's like it's not like That'd they're trying crazy. to release one of those every week. That would be ridiculous. But I think this, that that entire notion is already ridiculous, and like it kind of contradicts this whole strategy because I don't know how successful they are at doing this. But in this article by the Hollywood Reporter. Um, they, they're quoted as saying, although a new movie every week is still the goal, be it live action or animated. Um, I don't know. It's, it seems counterintuitive. Uh, yeah. but, and it erodes uh, once again at the brand, because if you know that something's coming out regularly, you can, you say, Oh, I'll skip it and catch the next one. Or mm-hmm. it's always going to be there. So I'll look it up. And then yeah. it's like, you know, you don't see a blockbuster movie come out every week from the same company, like, you no, know, production no. company or whatever it is. So can yeah. you really trust that they're all going to be quality? Yeah. Why would I give a, a shot on like a movie that Netflix is just kind of throwing out every week and just trying to see if something sticks? Because that still seems like the strategy here. Um, it's just like it, it, it seems like they're overproducing content. They realize that they did that said they're going to make bigger fewer and better movies but they're still holding themselves to that goal so they still in a way want to overcreate content like i'm not saying it's easy to create an easy or a really good movie it's not but it's something you could definitely try to do i don't know but uh i'm curious so. what kind of movie do you think will be i guess what would go into a movie that will help that in, in their ideal world because I can speak today. <laughs> what do you think one of the, the next project needs to have in order for it to be as successful as they're hoping it will be and to kind of launch this new initiative for a strategy? I mean, it's hard for me to say because I feel like what makes a successful movie would probably not be like successful in terms of just pure numbers. Like um, for me, what I, like, you know, for a good movie for me is like one that has like, you know, strong characters and a story about like, you know, a character or a story about humans or like how the effect of like, you know, emotions or technology has on like a human impact. Um, so, but I don't think those kind of movies simultaneously are like the big box office budgets. If like the current movie market tells me anything right now, it's movies like Marvel. It's movies like star Wars that people want to go out and see in theaters right now it's like the big blockbuster action movies that have like a huge brand name attached to them like that's just the kind of movies people like 
and I don't really know why people like it's just I like I can go about guessing as to why those movies are so successful. To me, they're like it's just mindless action. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe you can answer, not to call, like, because you, I mean, you're, you, you're a Marvel fan. You're a Marvel fan. So, like, you know, uh, I'm curious, like, what makes you go out and see those movies? What do you think those kind of movies and, like, why are they successful? Mm -hmm. And that's what I was going to bring up with you now, just hype. Like, I know it's a Mm -hmm. word that we use, but I give it to Marvel because what they've done over the last, oh, more than decade, um, man, decade and a half, goodness, we're getting old, uh, is yeah. they built up this whole cinematic universe. So they have these, you know, villains that are on the horizon and they end up coming through and you're like, oh, I wonder how bad they're going to be. Or they have super certain superhero team ups that happen and you see them in the trailers, for example, in Spider-Man No Way Home, when you saw the Spider-Men throughout the years, you know, join together with the newest iteration of Peter Parker. And it's like, oh my gosh. So there's this hype that's built in and I wanted to tie it back into you know, we recently just saw a resurgence at the box office um, following the release of Top Gun Maverick, which is this movie that comes, I guess, like 30 years after the original. So uh, a little bit of time. But because you know it's beloved and Tom Cruise is a well-liked actor and I think they've had enough time, especially because I believe they were supposed to release before or try to release before the pandemic. So they've had time to really waited on out um just to build up that hype and so people are excited to see kind of this new thing and so as we talked about during our last episode with netflix a lot of times they rely on word of mouth it's not so much direct to consumer advertising with trailers and you don't see it on tv really as much and so the thing i worry about for netflix with this new strategy is will there be enough time or will there be those projects that they're able to release that will be able to generate the hype needed in order to get the numbers that they require to be successful. And it's cool because what they've done is acquire certain franchises like the knives out franchise um, that they can then use to try and, you know, make up for the hype that they may not necessarily have from bringing something, you know, that has a lot of intellectual property, uh, a lot of a, a large following. I know that they have stranger things and whatnot, but certain other, like they don't have necessarily the portfolio. And so they can acquire because of their, their resources and then kind of use that to manufacture the hype. But I'm curious what your thoughts are around that one there. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of the big blockbuster films these days are already like established brands in a way. Like Marvel is just like this huge cinematic universe that really got its footing in the ground like years ago with like Iron Man and, I guess Iron Man was what really kicked it all off. Yep, that was numero uno. Um, and then, then like Star Wars is also like another big budget movie that people go and see, but that's like building off the you know smash hit that of a like the original trilogy back in like the eighties, and like they built upon that from like the prequels in the early two thousands. Then Disney bought Star Wars, which you know they were like we're gonna make this like this whole machine of like you know, movies, uh, TV shows, you know, video games, board games, you name it. And that's out there. The whole Star Wars cinematic universe now exists. And like, I think it's rare for a movie. I think Knives Out might be like the last, I mean, movie that kind of didn't have like prior reputation that kind of made it big. I actually don't know how big of a movie like, box office wise knives out was um i saw it i thought it was great uh and i know a lot of other people saw it and it was great and they're making more and people are excited for that i mean netflix got the rights for knives out and are going to be producing it so they have like that 
franchise kind of movies. Um, but like, it is hard. Like, I don't really know what are like the big blockbuster movies that randomly just kind of come out and everybody's just like, dang, dude, that was so good. Like, obviously we have Avatar, which is like the highest grossing film of all time, but that actually came out before Marvel was really a thing before star Wars was a thing. Again, that was during a time where movies were, you know, kind of being daring in a sense that like you they were just kind of making what you want and or whatever people wanted there wasn't all this franchising garbage out in uh hollywood um people weren't doing remakes of movies all the time bringing back old uh things like the tom cruise you know top guns back just because the, i feel <laughs> like the executives for top gun probably saw like look they brought star wars back and look how successful that was why don't we take our beloved thing and uh, beloved Top Gun, and just redo one of those. And um, you know, Bond is another movie that's really strong that just constantly is around. But um, I think it's going to be hard for like Netflix to break in, specifically for Netflix, to use a movie like Gray Man, which is clearly just your classic action movie, right? And I don't know, how, I don't really watch a lot of action movies. I mean, I watched Mad Max Fury Road, which was a, a really good action movie. Good flick. And, uh, but I don't watch a lot of like, I watched the trailer for gray man and I told myself, I'm probably not going to go see this. Like, Mm. I don't have a reason to see that kind of movie unless someone turns around and says like, it was the greatest movie of all time from like a, like someone I respect, not just some random on the street, you know, some (laughs) random on the street while doesn't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Or at least I would (laughs) think that, um, I don't know. I think it. I think it'll be tough for Netflix to kind of like have that name recognition, especially if they, you know, do the new movie every week kind of thing. Like, you're not going to get something off the ground um, because, like, all these other movies have like huge brands already associated with them. That's what makes them popular. Unfortunately, um, doesn't mean they're good, but that's what's popular. Mm. I think another key that thing that we need to consider is the release date i didn't i don't know when the gray man's coming out july but specifically oh okay maybe like really this july july 15th like a month 15th interesting see what i liked that disney did like a little bit of specifically when thinking about say like the pandemic they Mm -hmm. released frozen 2 early onto disney plus so we were already all together sitting around in the house so it made sense for us to watch something like that so when thinking about say the gray man or whatever they could do it around you know i think actually disney also released soul on christmas eve Mm -hmm. um on disney plus so people are already together you know people are trying to find something to do something to watch so it makes a lot of sense so if you really are trying to get those views then you got to find kind of an organic time in which to release your your film so that people are already there and it's easier on you to get those those numbers up i mean but no yeah some of our blockbusters are definitely like a thing you know like that's like jaws was like the first movie that man first time that like the, the the term was coined um uh, but like all like disney has like a brand like disney is like a well-recognized brand people have an expectation of disney films whether it be animated although i don't really know 
outside of like the studios that they own, like what kind of live action movies that they make. But like Disney was an animation studio for a while and released and built a reputation of creating classic animated films. They took that and now they have that reputation of releasing really good animated films to this day. To this day, Mm -hmm. they still make really good animated films. They bought up a bunch of studios that had established franchising. It's all branding for them. Netflix, on the other hand, does not have this. Netflix doesn't have anything outside of just like we're a streaming platform um who hasn't made anything truly great uh mm-hmm. and that's their problem because they think that they don't look at these other companies at least it doesn't seem like it maybe they do i'm not inside netflix's boardrooms but um it doesn't seem like netflix realizes why people go and see uh these movies and like um, and I still kind of want to ask you, like, what specifically about Marvel movies do you like so much? And, like, why do you think other people see them outside of just its branding? Like, why do you think they originally got that hook? But I want to get back to that. I want to finish okay. my point here about Netflix. Yeah, and finish. Netflix needs to take their, what they, you know, this PR report that Hollywood Reporter did for them and, like, take this strategy and slash the new movie every week thing do like a couple movies a year like how many movies like this doesn't produce a movie every week like are you crazy like well what studio is doing that i mean maybe disney does they own so much of the market but like netflix you don't own that much of the market like you just don't um and I'd be surprised if Disney was releasing a movie every week, but I guess it's entirely possible since they own uh, 20th Century now. Um, but like Netflix needs to really take risks on films that they think people will enjoy, whether or not the audience realizes that they would enjoy it. And that's a hard thing to accomplish, sure, but you're not going to accomplish it at all if you release a new movie every week fun so yeah. let's get back to the marvel question okay you're back to the marvel question see yeah. for me like i grew up a comic book nerd so mm-hmm. i was i remember when spider-man came out when we were in first grade and i was super pumped to see that because you know you go around and you watch the animated series that they drop on tv and you buy all the toys and whatnot but there's something about seeing it animated versus seeing it in live action that just completely changes the game so early on i was captivated by that and then coupled that with the fact that what they used to do was build fran like have a franchise. So they'd do the Spider Man, and he was just off in his own universe. They had they tried to have Hulk <laughs> early on, and that didn't really work. Uh, and they had like Blade, but when they created the cinematic universe, they actually you know replicated what they could do in the comic books, and that you can actually have team ups, you can explore different storylines that were actually you know utilized in the comic books. So it's like oh, there's we're opening it up completely to this this kind of new experience. And so for me, that became exciting, coupled with the fact that they've done it now you know, so well that it's, it's cool to like those kinds of movies. So you're getting the masses who are buying into, I imagine it's not so much the lore of the comics, but just kind of the action and like the the comedy that people will bring them in along with the fact that they're now recruiting basically every major movie star ever to be in it. So people who like, you know, I like Chris Pratt or I like, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. I can now watch this film and see them in it. So they're, they're, they're basically capturing everybody in every possible way. And so now that it's had more time to build up that following, it's not just so much for the actors or for the comic books. Now it's this new thing entirely. It's this completely different experience that I think is really captivating people. And I think that's how they've been so successful. 
That's fair. I always figure that like kind of like big action movies are what people enjoy the most. I feel like that's what people go to the theater for. Like they mm-hmm. want to see the explosions. Like they do. I think you look at a movie like Transformers, terrible movie, terrible franchise. And yet I think it does well because they keep making them. Dude, okay. I, I, okay, I'm going to sound like a total a-hole here, but it's it's fine because I actually do love these movies. The Fast and the Furious. Bam. Never on seen paper, a single one. And on paper, they're not going to... I'll, I'll share a story. When I graduated from high school, Fast 6... or When we graduated from high school, Fast 6 was out. And so I went with me and three buddies to the movies. And so Dominic Toretto played by Vin Diesel was driving his car. He's trying to catch this woman who was falling. And so he's speeding, like going, I guess over a hundred miles an hour. And he's on one side of the highway. There is an opening because it's an elevated highway. So that if you fall all over, you're dead. He's speeding, pops the door open and like stops the car, propels himself over the space between grabs the woman midair and slams down into another car. Like, okay. On the other, I guess, highway, like across this, this, this space of death zone. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, the theater gets really quiet. And one of my buddies just starts cracking up, like just dying of laughter. And the entire theater erupts in laughter. But I mean, it was cool. Like people were just like, I mean, this is what I signed up for. They literally came. I think they were in space with cars in the most recent movie and then they parachuted them down to the earth. So it's like, it's like, you know, these aren't necessarily the most highbrow slash, you know, scholarly films, but gosh, darn it. That's what people want to see. That's what people yep. want to see. Yep. I mean, like you even look at like Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Okay. He was oh the God. highest paid actor for a couple Recognize. years in a row. I don't know if he yep. still is, but like, I haven't seen anything with him in it other than Moana. Oh my gosh, I don't even really remember that as one of his big ones. But okay, Moana. But like he is a huge actor who makes garbage action films, I think. I haven't seen them, so I can't comment. They're actually pretty entertaining, I won't lie. (laughs) This is is what the people want. So when Netflix is creating like the gray man, but like the thing is, the thing is, is that enough for, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I am no, no, clearly the opposite of the average moviegoer. Like yeah, I like I the quote unquote highbrow films, like <laughs> the ones that don't pander to their audience or just make dumb explosions happen on the screen. Um, which sounds is probably pretentious to the layman. You know, if I just said that yeah, yeah, yeah. to like some random guy on the street, he probably would think I'm an asshole. <laughs> Dude, dude, it's funny, though, because, like, A24 films, which are, like, you know, the art house studio. Yeah. Like, I'll watch a trailer, and my dad, me and my dad will watch it, and he'll be like, what the hell is this? I'll be like, wait, that looks really good. Uh, I mean, like, A24 does a great job with their trailers, man. They got a great marketing team. Whoever's over there, they know what they're doing. Keep doing your thing. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it's like, that's the thing. So, I, I consider my dad, like... Like, my father will watch The Great Wall with Matt Damon in its entire year. Oh, effect. no. From start to finish. And I'll say, sir, what are we? Now, I won't go that low, but gosh darn it, my dad will. And so I think Netflix might have an opportunity. It's going to be, like, super risky if they, you know, go down this path. But if they, if they establish themselves as, I guess, the entity through which, you know, uh, producers of movies can go through and make, like, art house films. Like, just quality art house films. Like, you know, like a like a like a ladybird or you know, like a call me by your name. I think I mean, they could get a, a they could. Phone. I mean, Netflix did a pretty good like they have a good indie scene. I mean 
can't remember like the last like big indie hit that Netflix had. Um, but they did say that like they're not going to get rid of like the art house budgets. Like instead of making two ten million dollar art house movies, they're going to make one twenty million dollar art house movie, which is like a good uh thing. And like I think breaking into like art house films are great. I would love to see high budget, highbrow films, but that'll never happen. <laughs> not in this society, unfortunately. Um, yeah. like. But that that's just the way like you're never gonna see a Blade Runner again. <laughs> you're just not you, don't, you think Yang is over? Well, I just think it's just it's not a it's not a box office driver. That's the problem. Uh, are you saying you'll never see a new like a new kind of blade like not mm, the Blade Runner not franchise? Not necessarily Blade, blade Runner franchise, but like Blade Runner itself is not a box office driver. Like the new one did not drive that much money to the box office. I think it barely broke even and it was an expensive film. But like when you have Avengers Endgame raking in billions of dollars, like yeah. for like the same cost, like why wouldn't you just make that movie? Unfortunately, um, but and like, it's a shame. Yeah, oh, go, go ahead. for it. Oh, no, go I was ahead. just gonna say it's a shame because it's like I love movies not for the fact, and I'm obviously just a viewer, so I'm not mm-hmm. the one producing it, and their and their hope is that they make some money off of it. But I think that there's something to be said about making a movie just to create a story and put it out there in the world. And unfortunately, I think in this day and age, a lot of times that's, uh, that gets blurred for the prospect of making money. But if we take a step back and we try to, you know, recapture some of that, I think we're going to get some amazing stories. Unfortunately, people just want the, you know, simple thing that everybody's seen a million times, but that will generate, you know, enough money to make make it all worthwhile. So I think that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like definitely an argument to be made that um, like highbrow movies, like... <laughs> I use as like, I don't know, like highbrow films can take like can be big budget if it's a very well told story. I mean, all you have to really do. I mean, I don't know if I would consider Game of Thrones highbrow, but I don't think the uh, draw and the allure of that, which granted is a show, but I don't think the draw and the like that hooked people into that show was like the action. I think it was the human characters and the human stories that that show told. Um, and that was, it's like one of the most popular shows of all time. Like, you know, it, it had such a huge, massive following. It had like 15, 20 million people watching it per episode, which is massive numbers in television. Um, I don't think you, I don't think any show gets that, those kind of numbers that I can think of. Not these days, no. No, definitely not. Um, and, so you can have movies like that. Like I'm trying to think of like what's a, like a highbrow film. I was gonna ask one of like just uh if tell me if this is a highbrow film that has a solid budget. Get out. What do you think? I mean, how much of a budget did that have? Okay, not like um not like a crazy budget, not like a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Actually, let me check. Let me check. But I mean, still, it seemed like it felt like that maybe it might have had like ten million dollar budget. Mm, okay, let me see. Let me see. Get out. Budget. 4.5 mil. Okay, so wow. So that's super small. That's a small movie for sure. Um, But was it popular? Yeah, I think so. I think it had popular. And it was good. It's like a highbrow movie that talks about, you know, a lot of like social issues in a, in a way. Yeah. So, um, which is great. I love movies that have like that kind of like commentary. Uh which is what we sorely lack in 
and granted, I haven't seen all the Marvel movies, but ha- do Marvel movies even attempt to create type, any type of social commentary or anything like that? I'm thinking any type of highbrow it, stuff. They have, I'll unquote. say, they have very human moments. I don't think they're really trying to like address social issues. T- t- Although, I mean, they, it's not, it's not a social issue. They're making the characters reflect, I guess, those pe- people like us, like everyday people. For example, in the most recent uh, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange Two: Multiverse of Madness, um, there's a girl in it who um, not only is she, you know, not white. She's, I think, I'm gonna make the, the leap and say that she's like Latinx, but her she has, you know, two moms. Her mom, she's from um, a same-sex couple. Uh, those are her parents, and so it's cool. Like, I mean, you know, that's yeah, that's no. real. People are like that, so it's not like following this classic. You know, I'm surprised that Marvel children. fans didn't like go absolutely in crazy over that. Like, there are some, I mean, like, Star Wars gets, uh, like, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show had, like, a black Inquisitor, and there were a bunch of dumb fans who were quote-unquote fans, that they're not really fans, um, who were real mad, real mad that there was yeah. anyone who wasn't white. <laughs> I heard that. I was like, oh, ridiculous. gosh, wow. Goodness. I mean, these same people were also mad about, like, the whole Last Jedi thing for having... Um, uh, a black stormtrooper and also uh i think i forget her name uh the in the in the second oh you haven't seen it never mind i was gonna <laughs> say yeah okay um, <laughs> news to me but these people aren't fans they're just dumb racist ah. bigots and uh but like i'm surprised that didn't happen with marvel as big as it is honestly <laughs> Yeah, no, honestly, honestly. Although it's like cool because what happens, I think a lot of times is they'll make a move in the comics. Like, so for example, um, Nick Fury, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson, was originally mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. And then over time, they changed the character and he's black. And now Samuel L. Jackson's black, you know, obviously in, in the movie. And uh-huh. so it's like, okay, we accepted that. That change had happened. And so it's cool. So I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you need to you know, be true to the source material. But at the same time, I'm someone who's like, you know, if I know what's going to happen exactly the way it's going to happen, then why am I watching the movie? I kind of do like some surprises too. So I guess I'm, I'm also like for like, I, I was watching this video essay the other day. Um, it was about, it was actually on arcane hilariously oh, enough. Nice. Okay. Um, but it was like a video essay about how arcane writes women essentially. And like how it, It'll like does a really good job of never falling into any of like writing women tropes. Um, mm-hmm. So and like he they wrote that they built the personality of the character, like all the character's aspects before they decided on what the character looked like. And I think Ooh. that should be what people care about the most. Like I don't care whether or not Nick Fury is portrayed on screen like he is in the comic book is his character the same does it change anything like unless there was a specific reason for him being white or whatever or black or whatever like it doesn't matter what who who, who he's played by nick fury could be a woman who cares (laughs) yeah honestly that's what they're saying about james bond like why is it not why we could have a woman play james bond you know like yeah just have 007 be the mm-hmm. same thing and then just keep moving forward with a woman. And I'm like, that'd be cool. I'd like yeah. to see that story. Exactly. And and I was like, that's a really good point. And that's something I like always believed but didn't like have a good way to like vocalize it in a sense. Like mm-hmm. I always believe that like you should like it should be character first writing. 
and like even if it is an adaptation it's character driven unless like there was something specific to the character's appearance like take dune for example right they changed Liet Kynes from a man to a woman and from the book to the movie does it change the character at all no it doesn't it doesn't change nope. it the whole point Liet Kynes is Shawnee's parent that's like the only like thing that changes so we'll go from the book it's uh Leah Kynes is Shawnee's father but in the movie it's just gonna be her mother so that's like that's it but in Leah Kynes also his character it doesn't matter it could be portrayed either or and I think that was a yeah. great habit like a great change because it doesn't matter at the end of the day so I actually had completely forgotten about that. <laughs> no, that's a good call. But like to your point, like I been to, I forgot, you mm-hmm. know. So like clearly it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. Like whatever. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Goodness, goodness. But yeah, no, dude, it's uh, it's something, and I, I do like the fact that you know we're expanding out, having new stories from new perspectives at the same time. And you mentioned it before, we're creating. I feel like a number of franchises that are continuing or the the reboot. For example, I mean Ghostbusters now. I don't think we're part of the the generation that was really big into Ghostbusters. I don't know, actually, honestly, if you are a big Ghostbuster person. I wasn't necessarily. I don't think I really saw the first movie until I was in, like, 10th grade. I was like, okay, you know, what's cool. But they just had the Ghostbusters, I think it was Resurrection with Paul Rudd and Finn Wolfhard. And it wasn't necessarily the movie I had asked for. I was just like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's out there, you know? But it's like, I, I wish we were, we'd spend more time and energy creating new things as opposed to trying to i wouldn't even say resurrect but just continue the stories that we made in the past that weren't even necessarily groundbreaking now mind you somebody could then be like oh well devil's advocate blade runner is different that's kind of its own little genre and unfortunately i just feel like we haven't explored that enough to necessarily you know generate a large following for it so that's where i would you know, yeah. create that caveat, but just something to consider. Yeah, Blade Runner is like a cold following, and it's also a genre that is like almost universally not explored in Hollywood. It's like, yep. it, it's not like sci-fi for the sake of sci-fi. It's like set in a sci-fi universe, but it tells a very human and like, and has a very introspective look on what makes you human. And, um... It's like a noir film too. Like at least the first one's pretty yeah. noir. I mean, the second yeah. one is in a, in a way, uh, but like it's just set in like this future world, which was apparently based off a book which I read and was like, this is nothing like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do androids dream? Of yeah, do androids dream sheep? of electric sheep? Um, it was nothing like the movie. Um, so interesting, interesting. but I. It's unfortunate, and which is why coming back to Netflix, full circle here. Um, Ooh, love it! Look at you <laughs> coming back to Netflix. I think that there's definitely room for them. Like you can make easy, cheap wins, right? You can make movies like The Gray Man, which you'll probably get some amount of people to go and see. However, I don't know if like Marvel fans are also the type of people who go and watch Dwayne the Rock Johnson movies. Like I wonder if like Marvel fans also set themselves like as a higher standard. I wonder if they see themselves is like above like they see marvel as like the pinnacle of like good action movies and that everything else just doesn't really meet up to their standards like i don't know it's hard to get into the mind of some uh, like uh, a film franchise fan that i don't really like i don't have in, an interest in um but like netflix has opportunity to also like create something truly good and unique that people could go see like 
I think people will see the Gray Man just because it's Russo brothers from Marvel. So like they'll probably go follow that. I feel like a lot of Marvel fans probably know who the Russo brothers are, especially if they did Endgame. Um, so they could make like their Blade Runner if they wanted, like Netflix, and see if people can go out and you know. All I'm saying is Netflix has an opportunity to truly create something good, unique, and new for a high budget that isn't just a theme park movie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And it'd be cool if they did that. All I'm saying. I want something genuinely unique. I don't want, uh, like... I'm tired of seeing franchises. I'm just sick of it. Yeah. I want to see something genuinely unique out there. That is big budget. You know, I miss big budget movies. You know, I watch and all it, the art house, but I barely watch big budget <laughs> movies because most of the time it's like Marvel, Star Wars, or, you know, you name it, James Bond. I mean, I watch James Bond, but. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said about like the one and done. It's like leave the people wanting more. Yeah. Because I think what that does from the like from the point of the viewers, you you can play it out in your own head. Like there's no set ending necessarily. So you can say, oh, this is how they happen, or these people ended up together, or yeah. you know, they never found happiness. It kind of allows you to really interact with the movie beyond just the initial. Yeah, I think that's experience. like a problem that a lot of. I mean, I don't know. I can't say for a lot of modern movies, but I feel like that is a problem some films have is that they don't like they think their audience is dumb and they don't trust their audience to leave anything up to ambiguity, have any type of visual storytelling. Everything always has to be so laid out and it's really annoying. Like, you know, going back to Arcane, I think that show does a phenomenal job of doing a lot of really good visual storytelling. It does a really good job of not, um, like having everything laid out in front of you. Like if you, I mean, I don't know if anybody out there who listens has watched the show, but if like, when you watch it, like there's a lot of things that the show does. It makes an effort to do this visual storytelling where the character without even being said, knows what another character is talking about simply because of the way that their body is like reacting to what they're saying or what they motion to what the camera's kind of focusing on. And like, it's so genius. And like, I feel like films these days are just like, it's like so kind of on the nose, unfortunately, but, um, Mm -hmm. and, and I'll say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go for it. No, you go for it. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say like, I think, if you can make a good movie like that and really utilize and trust your audience to make like ambiguous, like endings where it's kind of up to the other, like inception is a movie that has like an ambiguous ending, for example, like you don't know if Cobb is still in a dream or not or whatever. And like, I think that's a great like film that people will talk about for, you know, many years and debate on go through in the movie and dissecting every little scene to see if he actually made it out or not. See if there's anything to foreshadow or hint to, to a kind of ending. And I think those kind of movies are really great. Um, but, uh, even though I personally have problems with Inception. But <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised you brought that one up. Yeah, I was just thinking of, like, what's a movie that was really popular that had a morally ambiguous ending? So, not a movie, but I was going to bring up uh, The Sopranos, if mm-hmm. anybody's from... It basically ends on kind of like a cliffhanger. There's a group of fans who are like, it ends one way, 
there's a group of fans who think it ends another way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you fall in one or the other. And it makes for, like, you know, an interesting topic to discuss as fans. Like, oh, no, this is definitely why I'm I'm right. This is what happened because X, Y, Z happened before. And they talked about this and that. So, I mean, once again, it keeps it kind of alive and keeps it it going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Netflix goes from or goes from here. Uh, just because I feel like a lot of their movies, like, I mean, in this article they list out, uh, like, Don't Look Up, Red Notice, and Adam Project. Oh, okay, don't, not that good. I don't know what Red Notice and Adam Project are. How dare you disparage Don't Look Up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I will say, so Red Notice is Dwayne The Rock Johnson with Ryan Reynolds and uh, Gal Gadot, so I did see that with my family. Um, and then Adam project is Ryan Reynolds. Again, it's about a guy who like goes back and I think has to help his younger self. Are they, are these good? Like red notices. And it's weird. See, like I'm a, I wouldn't say a movie snob, but I enjoy film. Mm-hmm. And I know my dad, my dad is hit or miss. Like he, he likes a good movie, but he also just likes, like, as I said, like the great wall and some dumb ones. And then my mom and my sister aren't necessarily people who are like big into movies. They'll watch it. And so it was enough for the whole family to be entertained. Is it something to write home about? Like, would I say, Charlie, you need to go watch Red Notice right now? No, I wouldn't necessarily. But I'm going to say if, you know, you're with your family, you guys are just looking for a movie to watch as a group. I mean, everybody could get behind it. And I'd, I'd recommend that. Yeah. Sure. I just try to show people, like, solid films when I, like, yeah. when my yeah, family see, was right? trying to, uh, we were all, we were on vacation and then there was like a hurricane. And so we were just trying to watch a movie, and I was just like, we should watch. I was like, we should watch There Will Be Blood or um, Prisoners. We ended up going with Prisoners. Okay. and uh, Never saw Prisoners. Oh, it's a good movie. I okay. recommend it. I recommend it. Maybe you can watch it tonight, Palmer. You can watch it tonight. Okay, yeah. It's okay. a little bit long, but I'd, I'd recommend it. It's good. Um, and like they just watched the trailer, and they were just like, no, we're watching Prisoners. Because <laughs> the trailer really sold it to them, and it is a good movie, and I recommend it. But um, I tried to just show them, like, yeah, this this is what this is what good films are. Because my mom and my dad are both like, you know, your dad, where they want they like to watch <laughs> dumb movies, and like, it's just, <laughs> and it's okay. People, you know, that's what that those that's what those movies are there for. But I don't Absolutely. know. I'm like, is it worse for society though? That's the real question. <laughs> are we moving backwards as a society? By I, are we getting dumber is what I'm asking us. This is the philosophical question. Do movies like The Great Wall starring Matt Damon make us dumber people? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, the scary thing is out there, there's someone who that's their favorite movie. Of <laughs> and you know what? I'm happy for <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah dude it's, I, but i mean it's cool like you may enjoy it and then obviously like if you know you were iris in there you'd be like what are you what are you watching like what's going on but <laughs> it's it's funny i heard someone say uh and i know this is like a common phrase but what is it perception is reality so if that's the movie that you like then that's your reality and it's a good movie cool i'm happy for you but if it's not then it's not and that's <laughs> for you too so perfect all I'm saying so, yeah, is maybe uh, maybe us as a society, society can benefit a little bit more if we have uh, movies that make us think with our noggins. You know, a little that's bit more true. often. And that's what 
I appreciate about film is that it can do, it allows you to like basically live a whole life that you would never live. And you can kind of think about things in a different way yeah. and see things from different perspectives. I know. I mean, that's why I love like the whole, I like every type of like storytelling genre or medium rather not genre. Um, it's just because they do offer like opportunity to kind of like experience different stories um, like uh, and kind of, I lost my train of thought. Nope. They lost it. It was beautiful, though. <laughs> the start was beautiful. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm a fan of like every type of story-driven like medium out there. Um, I will always advocate for any type of like things that make you reflect about uh, a variety of different things, um, like whether it's you know socially, culturally, inwardly, um, you know whether it's films that like challenge you to think like how would you you know deal with this pain in like certain i don't know that's dark but like um <laughs> like i don't know i was just thinking about like a recent thing like i was i was re recently replaying a game and i forgot that like the entire game is pretty heavy in the sense that like it's a very story driven game but it's um it's a game that like focuses entirely on how the player it's like a game about the effects of grief, but it's also like a game that definitely challenges the player and how well a player can handle pain and like mm. uh, trauma. Um, so not necessarily like a game that you'd necessarily beat with your controller, but a game that you kind of have to like overcome as at least the first time. I mean, I am replaying it, so I do know what happens, but like, I think the first time it, it definitely tries to hammer that point home just because it's like this interactive media and I don't think another medium can really kind of have such a profound effect and but books and movies can also do that too so mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. definitely definitely dang dude yeah no that's that sounds what, what game is it just uh, <laughs> it's uh it's the last of us part two okay okay yeah. okay um so I, you definitely need to play the first one to play the second one uh, because otherwise you'll lose out on the message that the second game is trying to teach you mm. or not necessarily okay. teach you, but make you um, experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I remember you, I think talked about that during our zombie apocalypse episode. Or I did bring that up in the, cause it takes place in a zombie apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, and I mean, it's, something you'd experience but i'm sure you have to really like, but it's a very human experienced game so it's not necessarily about the zombie apocalypse it's almost as like a backdrop to okay, the stories yeah. that it tells unlike That's the walking cool. dead which is a terrible terrible show i have never seen an episode i kind of like I, the first like, season is actually kind of good so okay if you want to watch just one season of it watch the first season Will it suck me in and I feel like I need to watch season two or will it be like an ending I can say, you know what, I can walk away? Honestly, I haven't seen it in so long. I don't remember how it ends. The first season. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I, might have to, I might have to partake. I might have to partake. Um, first season's good, but I, I probably should have stopped there. <sighs> There's a couple of shows I should have seen Goodness gracious. <laughs> All I'm saying oh, is gosh. like, even if you do continue it past the first season, you're probably going to get sick of it by season three. Okay. okay <laughs> because okay. it's just the same story told over and over again. That's, that's what I've heard from multiple people, but goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, Walking Dead, maybe. I got sick of it by season three. I was like, okay, I'm done with this show. It's terrible. <laughs> how, how? What, they're on season, they're on season 12? <sighs> Whatever it is, it's way too many. Should have been canceled. Jeez. Like, I mean, okay. yeah. I feel like actors Sorry, literally <laughs> beg to be killed so they could not be on the show anymore. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Make it violent. <laughs> Just get it all. <laughs> Just get it over. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. There's a there's a Key and Peel sketch where um it's like uh I guess Key is someone who's been an actor as a zombie for a while and he's trying to explain it to Peel who's new, but he's never been featured. Like he's never gotten like a jump scare. And he's just telling him how to do it. And then there's like, you right there, Peel, come on. Like, you're going to be our jump scare guy. And he's like, bro, I've been here for years. This is like my fifth season on the show. It was actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> so every time I think of The Walking Dead, that's what I think of. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> no, we went on a bit of a rant there. But... I know, yeah, yeah. I was like, so Netflix. Netflix. So Netflix, Netflix. Well, oh, I don't know what else more to say about it other than yeah, like, okay. it feels like... Netflix had the right idea, but they're still trying to do a movie a week ago. If you know, if I had to pick out one thing that they shouldn't do is that they should really just try to stick to making something that is worthwhile because it's hard to break into an industry that is so dominated by Marvel, Star Wars, James Bond, like franchises, and like you're trying to recreate like a franchise, like as this independent kind of company that doesn't have like a reputation for necessarily making really good movies, you have to just kind of find something to really bet your money on and roll with it. Like that's about yeah. it. Hire I'm not saying someone. it's, I just I'm saying it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. I it's think actually impossible. they have, if they're able to produce at that speed, like if they obviously quality and speed don't necessarily go hand in hand. Taste makes at the same time, At the same time, I think that they have, you know, an opportunity given the fact that they have, you know, they're a little bit more nimble than say a D- Disney's banking on a lot of these Marvel flicks, you know, do well. And obviously if one flops, I think they're like, pretty confident with that, uh, that overall the net value will be positive. Like, even if one flops, they know the next one's going to do well. But at the same time, you're noticing throughout a lot of them that they're not necessarily taking as many risks as like they're trying to. They have a certain formula, mm-hmm. and they keep it going. So I think Netflix has the opportunity to create completely different movies. You know, not even franchises, just different experiences, and they can really have people buy into that. I think that's what they need to do moving forward if they're really going to compete. I guess on the same level as a Disney. Mm. Where is Marvel even going? Like, how many more can they pump out? I thought, like, the whole end game was, like, literally the end game. It's finally over. Oh, Charles. <laughs> I mean, Charles. my God, how many of, how many is there? How many movies can. Dude, as long as they can make money, they can keep making new movies. Are the comics done? Like, I'm confused. No. So what's actually interesting is that the comics, a lot of times, will, like, when they hit a, the end of a storyline, they have, like, a central uh, universe that they follow and a lot of times things evolve and whatnot within that and sometimes they go back and they rewrite certain things but what they've done which is brilliant is create a series of separate universes so you have like the ultimate universe where you know sometimes people are younger than they are in the main universe and th- they change up minor things 
And so what they're actually doing now with, say, Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness, what they did with Spider-Man, they're creating separate universes so you can recast certain people to be, you know, in these new universes so that when Robert Downey Jr. is out as Iron Man, we can have somebody new step in and he's not in the main universe, he's in a separate universe. So they can keep going and exploring the entirety of one universe and then just across the multiverse. So I think that's where we're heading. Who's the, big ben, who's the big villain after Thanos? That's the next question. I, I think, you know, personally, as a comic fan, I think it's a guy named Galactus, but I'm not sure. Nice. They're going to pull in the Fantastic Four, which they did a little bit of in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. Yeah. In- Buckle up. Interesting. Interesting. One day we'll have to do a Marvel episode, but that would require me to do... Way too much movie watching. <laughs> Get on it now, man. <laughs> uh, I also want to do a Star Wars episode. Um, yeah, watch a couple of those too. But I want okay, so I watched the first episode of Obi Wan Kenobi, and I have to say, it is not that good. <gasps> Blasphemy! Blasphemy! I know, and not wow. for all the reasons that the crazies are saying. It's just, <laughs> it just straight up isn't isn't that entertaining. <laughs> maybe it just takes some time to you know build up like... maybe maybe i mean i feel it definitely feels like it's like i mean star wars has always been like a kid's kind of show you know or a kid like teenager 12 13 years yeah. old it's never been like so i watched the original trilogy like when i was in high school it wasn't something i like was 10 years old and watched i watched the prequels mm-hmm. when i was younger because those were coming out in theaters at the time Although I don't think I ever watched episode one or two in theaters and I saw the third one and later would go back after I watched the original trilogy and watch episodes one, two, and three. Um, And I realized that when I first watched the trilogy, like all the hype around it, I was like, okay, I'm watching Star Wars. Let's see what the hype's about. And uh, I was more or less just like, okay, it's, it wasn't bad, but. It wasn't that ground like I mean it's groundbreaking visually like visual effects wise but it wasn't like like why is it this popular? <laughs> like, uh, that was okay, like my question okay. like why is it so popular? Like it's not bad but it wasn't like pushing any you know boundary like yeah it wasn't exploring any like major themes in my opinion it was just kind of like this hero story uh that wasn't entirely supremely interesting um but that was my opinion on it but that that was way years ago and like star wars still has yet to really explore major like themes in any real capacity i mean there's definitely like themes you can point to for sure but they don't explore it in like any meaningful way that makes sense no, I completely understand. And it's interesting that you say that because obviously I haven't seen the, the new three. But I have seen, like, uh, I saw Rogue One and then I saw Solo and I've seen the original three and then the, the prequel three. And it did seem like there was just, I don't know, what, the word I guess I would use is disconnected. It's disconnected mm-hmm. in that there is so much, like the Clone Wars. I know that they tried to tie that in with, like, an animated series and they've done other things. But there's so much to explore within the universe to explain how you know, you go from one thing to another. So like Rogue One explained why in the Death Star, you could blow it up like with the one shot into that like one little area. It's okay, like, it's cool. a little like, 
too much like nuance detail there yeah that was a bit a highly specific like movie to craft a plot so it's just it's interesting we made a whole movie to cover a plot hole literally it was like what the what and so i mean if you're not necessarily crazy into star wars it's just like i don't know if that you know warrants me going to the movies to watch that Mm -hmm. but i'm sure as a diehard fan some people are like dude this is what i've been waiting for my entire life yeah yeah I saw like some people complaining that like Obi Wan Kenobi was like, oh, a show that should have been made for thirty year olds was made for eight year olds. I'm like, bro, what series do you think this is? Like, why did you <laughs> think this was going to be a show for adults? And what universe has Star Wars ever been for adults? It's literally on Disney. Plus. It's literally on Disney Plus, <laughs> and Star Wars has always been like a teenage boy's wet dream. Okay, it's <laughs> never been like this whole like um, it's never been like this adult like entertainment art that explores a lot of like adult themes has never done that in its entire history so i don't know why people were complaining about obi-wan kenobi being like it's made for kids i'm like yeah no yeah no shit sherlock (laughs) star wars what did you think it was gonna be about oh my god yeah they don't like swear they don't do any like dude like the craziest thing i ever saw was when in episode three when Anakin beheaded Count Dooku. Boom. Yeah. That was the craziest thing I ever saw. Star Wars Episode Three is probably the darkest film that they've made. And Rogue One was going to top it. And it was like, I've heard the original cut of Rogue One was like almost Saving Private Ryan-esque. And Ooh. they were like, Disney was like, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to dial it back. We're going to dial bit. that back. <laughs> we're going to dial that way back. Okay. Oh, my God. And I think they had to like reshoot some of it because the, like, the original was supposed to be way darker. And I'm like, I would have, I would have seen that in a heartbeat. I would have seen a dark <laughs> Star Wars film. My favorite scene was when they're in like that complete dark room mm-hmm. and then you just hear the breathing of Vader and you see his like lightsaber extend. And he starts killing everybody. I was like, Heck yeah, I mean, Star Wars episode three literally has Anakin walking into a room full of children and he <laughs> kills them all. Younglings. Younglings. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, that's pretty dark. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh man. That was Ugh. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Child murder is not something I can get behind. <laughs> not something. That was the pre the pre Disney days. <laughs> Those were the pre Disney days. Disney would not do that now. Absolutely not, not do not that now. Um, oh. I'm surprised that movie's even on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it's still on Disney Plus. Um, Goodness gracious. But. I'm just curious about. I just need to see like that, like little, like I guess, vault of all the Disney movies that are like are no longer around, like Song of the South and everything. Just like the one that they tried to hide that everybody <laughs> forgets, because <laughs> that would be entertaining to explore. That would be entertaining to explore. But uh, we've really uh, ventured off the Netflix topic. But, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Netflix. Sorry, Netflix. But <sighs> you can't do anything right anymore. It's just so difficult. <laughs> I'm telling you, there is a path back back to the where we were before. What do you think is going to happen to Netflix when Stranger Things is over? That's a very good question. Well, apparently, there, people are talking about they're creating a new show in the same universe. That's what I've heard rumblings of. So mm-hmm. that might be the next move. But, I mean, you really got to think about like what their next 
the next franchises i know i haven't seen it but bridgerton i know a lot of people can get behind apparently the lincoln lawyer was doing pretty well for itself so like maybe they'll get like an jk uh, i was gonna say a tom clancy series but that's definitely on amazon prime um but just maybe they'll pick up something and make that kind of their flagship show but they need when stranger things goes they're gonna lose out a lot because I think what Stranger Things does very, very well is it captures the young market in terms of kids, but it also captures adults and like teens in terms of that eighties nostalgia or just family. like intrigue. Family yeah, exactly, time for exactly. the whole thing. It's like the horror series. Like this for the fourth one, the fourth season is I won't spoil anything, but definitely they really, really tried to go back to like the horror theme. They tried. Okay. Whether or not okay. they succeeded, stay tuned. I was going to say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. Stay day. tuned. Um, but one last thing I did want to talk about Netflix, uh, because I totally forgot about this paragraph in the article. Um, so one of the things that many people at Netflix agree on is the end of the era of expensive vanity projects at Netflix, i.e. Martin Scorsese's $175 million, The Irishman, will no longer be a thing that Netflix is going to be investing in. Now, to me, that's the wrong move because that just shows to me that Netflix is totally full train ahead on making movies like The Gray Man. That's the kind of movies they want to make. Mm. And that isn't, to me, like, Martin Scorsese is a world-renowned director. You could easily get like any director to come onto Netflix and be like, this is my passion movie that I want to make. And they will throw money in like Netflix and be like, yeah, excuse me, we'll do that. We will, we will give you money to go and make that kind of movie, which could attract people to Netflix's platform. Like, Dude, not only could it attract people, it could attract, you know, big name actors. Like if somebody, if Martin Scorsese goes to honestly, I'm pretty sure any actor and says, hey, do you want to be in this movie? Who's saying no? <laughs> Who's literally saying no? No one. Nobody's going to say so, no. So, I mean, yeah. And it, once again, then people would be like, oh, so-and-so's in the movie. So-and-so's in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to go see it. So it yeah, only like, helps them, I think. Like, I don't know. Who's who's like a big director right now? I mean, like, uh, like you could do Denis Villeneuve. And like he could come into Netflix and be like, "This is like some science fiction movie I want to make." And um, are you guys down? And Netflix could Netflix now will probably say no. (laughs) 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 Probably say no. Um, Which is sad for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the way. Like, I mean, I guess this article does say there will be exceptions. This is Hollywood, after all. Um, and this new era seems to be marked by one idea, discipline. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me, seeing if they want to have this one movie a week thing. Um, but I feel like you're missing out on potential, potential really good movies. Like James Cameron, right? Avatar wasn't anything. Like he was just like, yeah, this is a movie I just thought up. So we went to 20th century and they were like, sure, here's your Here's your money. Pile of money. <laughs> and and he just and he went on to make the highest grossing film of all time. Complete movie that had nothing to it other than the man who made Titanic and Terminator and Aliens. 
And also, didn't it take like a bunch of years just to throw together? So it's like, mm-hmm. thank you. I'll bring this out in like five years. And like, oh. Yeah, the technology okay, wasn't cool. there when he first wrote it, apparently, and then had to come back and do it later. So he went and did Titanic instead. And then he went later on to do uh, Avatar once the tech was there. So that's just like, you have to remember that. Like, And that's James Cameron, who literally apparently had a dream of that and got his way. And if what if he came to Netflix with that? You know, like, mm. you know how much money Netflix would be freaking raking it in right now. And then like having James Cameron go on to make four more Avatar movies, they'd probably be having themselves like a trip to the bank every other day. So it'd be like uh, Pablo Escobar. He used to have to spend, I think it was like $3,000 a month on rubber bands just to hold all his money. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude, Spending crazy, money to crazy. hold it together. Yeah, good times, good times. Jeez, but yeah, I don't know. I but don't know no, if that's I, the move. We'll see. I think only time will tell. Especially now that they've addressed the fact that their current strategy isn't necessarily conducive to be as successful as they want to be. I think only only time will tell if this you know new approach is is what's best for them. Yeah. All right, Palmer, is there anything else you want to talk about with the Netflix stuff? No, I'm, I'm going to watch that Stranger Things, and then we're going we're gonna to dish. But uh, that's probably all I have left for Netflix. Goodness. Oh, Netflix, oh, Netflix. Anyways, so thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been the What You Got podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Bud. Joined with me, as always, is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. You can catch our show every Monday evenings. And make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Palmer, why don't you tell them where they can follow us? Okay, bud. You can follow us on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Twitter at What You Got Cast, which is spelled the same way. And until next week, we'll catch you all later. Make sure you watch Stranger Things because we'll be reviewing it soon if you're interested. Peace.